and how do I interact, and what's, what's my participation um, with her, and what's it supposed to look like? And then, of course, those things start think, turning all of us to thinking about what? Our own role, right? How am I being, as a parent, um, as a father to my own kids, um, how am I doing with them? Am I teaching them well? Are they training them well? Ours are kind of like, some of them are out the door, and some are almost out the door, and some maybe wish they were out the door, but they're they're um, that, that stage, and it shifts. So what, what is going on, and what is our role, and what's the place with that, and what does it look like for us? What about this next season of life, as we think about it, my wife and I think about that, um, and what's that going to look like, and how is God going to use us? And I think those are questions that um, are common questions among all moms. It's not just maybe it's for moms, dads, all of us, but um, particularly for moms, I think those are all kinds of questions that come up. Um, this morning, I just want to let you know there's an answer to those questions. Um, I believe that God, as long as he has us here, there's a plan and a purpose for each day. Um, that there is wisdom when we need it. Um, there is an answer to the aloneness that we can all feel at times um, and the separateness. And there's, like I said, a purpose, I believe, for every season of life. It does, does end that God's purpose are over. We talked about that a lot with the sexuality series. We're created for purpose and impact. I don't believe as long as we're on this side of heaven that that ever ends. Um, and so somehow even for my mom, he still has those kinds of things in place. This morning we are going to um, look at the ascension of Jesus, which may seem like a strange place to go on Mother's Day, but that's what we're going to do anyways. Um, uh, and it'll, it, it'll get us there with the Mother's Day stuff, stuff. My thoughts, the reason this came up is I was thinking about Easter, our Easter time outside, and we, we spent a lot of time talking about the cross and talking about the resurrection, and we don't ever really talk about the ascension. What was that about? And so that was kind of on my mind anyways. And then last week, as uh, Dave was teaching us about um, unity, and we're going to go back to that again, Dave will bring us back to that again next week, I was thinking about the role of the Holy Spirit in terms of bringing unity to us, which those, the prayer that Dave uh, was teaching about, those chapters there, are highly focused on the Holy Spirit and his role in bringing unity. And those things came to kind of together. And so, um, and we're also going to be going back to Acts in two weeks. I thought, okay, we're going to just transition there. We're using the ascension here. And um, somehow, God's going to make it applicable to moms this morning, which he will. So what we're going to do is we're, the context of the message this morning is the ascension. The content is really some, um, basically some review about the Holy Spirit, things that we ought to know but we need to be reminded of. And if we really understand it, the application is very, very specific, I think, to moms today in terms of what God can bring uh, for you and into your life. So let me pray, and then we're going to look at three events that happened um, after the resurrection. Lord, I would um, offer ourselves up to you. Um, We offer up, um, particularly this morning, we're thinking of our moms, those who are moms here, and as we think about some of us for moms are far away, and those who have lost them even in this year, um, we would ask that you would use your word and the Holy Spirit to minister to our hearts, um, to bring us to places where we find rest and strength in you. And may you do that this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So three, three post-resurrection events, and we're going to start with the ascension. Number one, Jesus ascended up into heaven. You can turn to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, we're going to do the, I'm going to read through the first nine verses of this particular book. So in a couple of weeks, we'll be back into the book of Acts again. We'll take us through the summer and we'll finish it up. We'll be actually jumping into chapter 10. I think that's where we ended. I'm not sure, but that's, that's my guess. So that's where we're going to start, Acts chapter 10. But here, let me read Acts chapter 1, and I'm going to read verses 1 through 9 um, to get us back into that again. 
In the first book, Theophilus, I have dealt, remember that's the book of Luke, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And Jesus presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So while he was staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, You heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Verse 6, Now when they had come together, they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but instead you will receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Now when Jesus had said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. Interesting scene, isn't it? Um, Jesus goes up and he ascends up to heaven after his 40 days on earth. A few things I just want you to note in this little section here is um, Jesus has spent three years with them. Um, face-to-face, um, bumping shoulders, um, being able to speak to them, being able to reach out and, and touch them. Um, they've been able to watch them. They've been able to hear his very voice in their midst. Um, he goes through the, the, the crucifixion, and they're wondering what's going to happen, and they've forgotten, and there's, there's, uh, there's trouble, and there's, there's fear. And then Jesus rises up, and everything has changed. Jesus spends 40 days doing a variety of things during that time. And then at this point... Um, he leaves. He leaves. Anybody ever have something, somebody that was really important to you leave? Just leave? Um, most of us know what that feels like. There's, there's, there's loss and there's kind of wonder what's next and we, we become so dependent on that person. Maybe some really good ways that we're wondering what is going to happen next. A couple things here. Number one, verse two, it says that during that time, Jesus had given commands to them through the Holy Spirit. How did Jesus work in his life? Anybody know? How did Jesus do everything that he did? Everything. He did it through the Holy Spirit. Interesting, we always think, if I was just like Jesus, if I was God, I could do all these things like he did. And Jesus didn't do that. And when he came to earth, he, he gave up certain things. And he operated himself through the Holy Spirit. He, he did everything by means of the Holy Spirit's work um, in conjunction with him. And even here it tells us that when he gave them commands, they were communicated to the disciples by means of the Holy Spirit. And it's essential for us to understand that Jesus lived his life by the power of the Holy Spirit, which means we can live the same kind of life. We can live by that same power. Jesus did not just do it of his own accord, but he did it by the Holy Spirit. Second of all, in verse 4, it tells them that they were to wait um, for the Holy Spirit. There's this place, there's, for some reason, Jesus ascends to heaven, and then there's this awaiting period of a certain number of days, and then the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Prior to that time, the Holy Spirit tended to come and go. So like we'll hear stories like on, on Saul in the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit comes upon him. He does the work. We hear in the stories of Samson, the Holy Spirit comes upon him, on David. Um, John the Baptist said he was filled with the Holy Spirit from the womb, so unique and that the Holy Spirit seemed to be um, a resident and effective in him his entire life. Jesus operated every moment by the Holy Spirit. 
But at that point, the disciples were not filled with the Holy Spirit. They had seen his work, but he wasn't there. So something's going to change. And the Holy Spirit, which had been not part of them in that sense, was going to come upon them and indwell them, and they were supposed to wait for that to happen. Jesus did not want the disciples to begin to operate at all without the Holy Spirit coming upon them. Because when you operate without the Holy Spirit, where do we operate from? Ourselves, right? And when we operate from ourselves, we've got trouble. And so Jesus wanted them to wait because there's this time and place that's going to come, and we got that in the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon them, and everything at that moment is going to change for them. And you can see that in the whole book of Acts. There's just an explosion of God's work as the Holy Spirit comes. Check out also verse 8. It says that they were, um, verse 8, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses, and he sends them out. What were they given? By the Holy Spirit, they're going to be given purpose and impact. They're given a purpose by which to live life. And basically, the bottom line was they were supposed to present Jesus to the world, present something of Jesus as they went out into the world and lived their life. And then verse 9, we get this, Jesus leaves. He, um, I, I take this literally, he, it says he went up into the clouds. It's, I guess it was a cloudy day. And anyways, he went up. I mean, physically, it says, it appears he just lifted up. I mean, he, and he was gone. And it says that he's going to come back in the same way. And um, they're watching, and you know the story, the angels come along and go, what are you guys looking at? You know, it's time to get busy, because um, go back and wait, and they wait, and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. But there is a, a place where Jesus leaves. And the question comes, why did Jesus have to leave? Why could not he have stayed there and walked with them and worked with them and made the early church work? Jesus chooses to leave for a purpose here. Interesting, in the garden, you remember, at the resurrection, and Jesus is there, and Mary meets him, and she thinks he's the gardener, right? And then she discovers it's Jesus, and he's, she's trying to grab a hold of him because she wanted to hug him, right? Um, and he says, don't touch me or don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. I'm not sure what, all what's going on there. It wasn't like something like if she touched him, something bad was going to happen. Um, but I think there's a sense, don't hold on to me because I need to leave. And the reason I'm leaving is because I'm going to give you something better. And you need to let go. You need to let go because I'm here and I've done a work. I'm going to go. And what you're going to receive by letting go is something better than what you have even with me, which is hard to believe, but that's, I think, what he's trying to tell her there. Um, so they're wondering, what can we do without Jesus? So the, the first event that happens after the, the resurrection, those 40 days, is that Jesus ascends up to heaven. The second event that happens is Jesus sat down. Jesus sat down. Uh, Mark 16, 19 says, When the Lord Jesus had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God the Father. You can read that in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 12, Hebrews chapter 12, 1 through 3. All talk about Jesus. When he comes into God the Father's presence, he sits down. He sits down. What do we, when do we sit down? When you're resting. And when you finish your work, right, you go home and you, hopefully at least for a few minutes, you get to sit, right? You sit down, um, you, you rest, there's a sense of letting it go, and Jesus sits down. It's significant work that he does here for a couple reasons. One, it's significant because it tells us that he finished his work, um, at least work part A. And that was brings salvation to us, to to, to put us right with God, to bridge the gap between God and man, his work on the cross for us. Jesus on the cross said, it is finished. 
And his sitting down at the right hand of God was an indication that he had finished his work. I think one of the greatest things that we struggle with as believers, and perhaps um, moms have a harder struggle with this because of the demands there, we always feel like there's more to do. And there's something else we've got to do, and we've got to add something. We can add nothing to the work of Christ. Nothing. And because he finished his work and he sat down, he said, putting you right with me and bringing righteousness into your life, that is all finished. There's nothing you can do to add that you have all of it. It is completely done as one work you never have to think about doing. And you can rest in my finished work. And so he sits down at the right hand of God as an indication that there's nothing else that we can do or add to our issues of salvation. I think he doesn't want us to weary ourselves with trying to put ourselves right with God or even other people, I think, because he has already finished the work and declared us holy and righteous and received us into himself. Second of all, when he sits down, it shows that he was the king and that he was sitting in authority. How many feel sometimes like the world is absolutely out of control? And there's fear there, and there's wondering what's going to happen next. And, and um, I mean, I even know people, we often had conversations, when, at least before we had kids with people, like, do we really want to have kids in a world that is so out of control? But the great truth is, when Jesus sat down, it was a picture that he was in control. He was in authority. He was the king over all things. Things are not running out of control. And he's out there watching, trying to think of what are we going to do next to try to rein this in somehow. Jesus finished the work. He conquered sin and death. And he rose up and he sits down to let us know that he is the ruler. He's the ruler over me. But he's also king and ruler and authority over the whole world system. And it rests within his own control, and he'll work it according to his own plans. And then thirdly, by sitting down, um, Jesus actually does another work. Um, There was another work to do. We're told in Hebrews 7 that he sits down as our advocate and our intercessor for us. Um, The idea is that Jesus is the one who speaks out on our behalf. Um, If you ever feel like nobody speaks out for you, Nobody cares about you. Nobody knows what your heart is. Nobody's there to stand up and, and, and speak and say, this person is precious. I'm going to pour myself into them. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father as our intercessor. He's the one who knows our heart, knows our needs, knows of our cares, knows everything we need to know, and he communicates that not only to the Father and the Holy Spirit, but stands up for us. I love this scene in, uh, uh, when Stephen is being uh, martyred in the book of Acts, remember we talked about this? And it says that Stephen looked up to heaven as he was being stoned. And where was Jesus? He says, Psalm standing at the right hand of God. It's like Jesus was sitting as Stephen's intercessor and his advocate. And then he stood up from that spot because he was giving his support. He was there for him. He was standing for him. And so Jesus sits in heaven today, still doing a work on our behalf. We, we do not go without someone who is intimately concerned and connected and knowledgeable about everything about us. Um, and that goes both with the joys and the hopes. It also goes with the hurts and pains that we don't share, that nobody knows. He's there. And he hears all those things, and he stands for those things as he sits in heaven. So the first thing is that Jesus ascended into heaven, and the indication is he had to go for a reason. The second thing is he gets to heaven, and he sits down in that place because he completed the work. He sits an authority, and he continues another work on our behalf that apparently he couldn't have done 
um, otherwise. The third thing he does as the third event is that Jesus sent the Holy Spirit. You can turn to John chapter 14 for that. Um, And I'm going to be pretty cursory through this. You guys know this um, section. I'm not going to give all the verses on a few things here, but I just want to remind us what Jesus did um, as he went. So John chapter 14, part of this... um, Part of this ending period that we actually heard sections from John 17 last week. Um, But here, John chapter 14. Um, Jesus was about to leave. Um, They were concerned. They're not knowing what's going on. Jesus wants to communicate to them that what do they need to know as he's preparing to leave them. Um, As they're afraid, they're concerned. The first thing he says here, John chapter 14, verse 1, what does he tell them? Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Don't be troubled. Um, We all experience feeling troubled, right? Um, We all experience being troubled. Um, Particularly for moms, I think, think about our kids, um, think about what's coming next. Um, We think about the joys and also the losses that go with all that. Um, There's times of feeling troubled. And Jesus, the first thing he tells them, he says, don't be troubled. And the reason he says that, and he's about to tell them he's going away. The very next verse he says, I am leaving, he tells them. So it's interesting. He says, don't be troubled. Guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to leave you, is what he says. So it's like, what is that about? He says, don't be troubled because, as we said before, Jesus had something better. Jesus had a means by which to, to pierce through all that trouble and to bring something very, very different for them. So he tells them, don't be, don't be troubled because I have something better than even my physical presence. And I want us to make sure we get this this morning. Um, we have something better than if Jesus himself were actually physically present here with us, at least at this stage of the game. Um, there's something better for us. That seems kind of crazy. It seems, no, no, I'll take Jesus right here. That's only because we just don't spend enough time thinking about the Holy Spirit. That's our problem. But Jesus says, I've got something better for you. Verse 16, jump ahead a little bit. What's he going to do? He says here in verse 16 of uh, John chapter 14, he says, I'm going to ask the Father. By the way, when does he ask the Father? Probably when he got up to heaven and sat down. He said, first thing we need to do. And he asked him, he says, I'm going to give you another helper. Remember the word helper? We use that in Genesis chapter 1. Um, it's the one that Jesus, God sends in the midst of battle to come alongside to empower people to do the very things that they're called to do. Not just a person to come alongside and say, good job, every now and then. But actually the helper is one, um, the word is a person that comes along and makes a difference in a battle. They're empowered to do the very things they're called to do. I'm going to ask the Father, he'll give you a helper to be with you forever, even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he will dwell with you and will be in you. And he says, I will not leave you as orphans. So, Jesus goes up. He says, I've got something better. And what is this something better? Very simply, he sends the Holy Spirit. Um, sends the Holy Spirit to us. They're supposed to wait. And if you know the rest of the book of Acts, they wait and the Holy Spirit comes upon them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then everything changes at that point. So the something better that Jesus says I'm going to send is the Holy Spirit. The ascension had to happen for the Holy Spirit to come. Jesus had to leave however God's got this worked out, in order for the Holy Spirit then to be sent to us in a different way. Verse 17 and 18, I just read them, but it says, 
that um, he's going to remain in us or abide in us or dwell in us. And he says, I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I won't leave you alone. You're not having to walk through life by yourself. You're not going to have to figure it out by yourself. You're not going to um, have to walk through troubles by yourself. Um, I will not leave you as an orphan, but you will have someone come alongside of you. You will not be alone. Verse 25, jumping ahead, what's he going to do? It says, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance everything that I have said to you. Um, what's the Holy Spirit going to do? Teach us. He's going to show us exactly what we're called to do. He's going to show us what we're to say. He is going to give instruction and guidance for the steps to take in life. All the things that come before us each day coming, what do I do with this? How do I make a decision about this? What is this supposed to look like? As our, with our kids, how am I supposed to deal with this thing with my child or this? How do I shift now that they've gotten older and their things of life is different? What does that look like now? All these kinds of questions and a myriad of other ones that we all have. It says here, the Holy Spirit will instruct us and guide us and bring to mind everything that we're to know. Interesting, the disciples actually got a taste of the Holy Spirit. We revealed the entire scriptures to their heart. He says he'll reveal to us the things that we need to know here. And then back to verse 12. Um, it says here, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. Um, Matthew 3, verse 11, um, there's a promise made that after the ascension, when Jesus leaves, that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Um, do we believe that? I mean, I, I have to say I don't always. That we could actually do greater things than Jesus did because the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Jesus left in order to bring something better. He left in order so we would be indwelled and empowered to actually do more than God in flesh among us did. Um, and I don't get that. I'm not sure what that all looks like. I just know this is what it says here. And Jesus, in order to empower and to carry out his work and to do a work in us and to change us, leaves and ascends in order to send the Holy Spirit. And if we can figure out how to make a touch with the Holy Spirit, how to come into um, an active, regular um, recognition of his presence in our life, it unleashes things that are greater than what God did before when he was actually here. So the Holy, Jesus had to leave because that was the means by which he would do greater things in our midst. A few things the Holy Spirit does. I'm not going to give you verses for these. You can look them up. I think these are familiar. Um, a number of things, this is not all of them, but when the Holy Spirit comes upon us, which he has, if you know the Lord, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence inside you, and that's the first thing he does. He indwells us. Um, when God himself indwells us, you can't get any closer than that. I would love to hug Jesus. Um, the truth is, the Holy Spirit's even closer than that. Because the Holy Spirit has, has, has melded himself in my very heart, in my mind, in my soul, in my spirit, and has joined himself with me. And if I can get in touch with that, I can experience the closeness of God in a way that is, you could never, ever imagine. That's what he has here. So he indwells us. We can't get any closer than that. Second of all, he brings comfort. Um, that means he, he meets the needs that we have in the deepest places we need them, and in exactly the way we need it, in exactly the right time. Nobody else can ever do that. Nobody can do that. 
And we all know when we're hurting, um, people come along and some of it helpful, some of it's not. But the Holy Spirit comforts and moves in our life in the ways that only he can. Third of all, he instructs and guides. We just read that. Um, I know when Lisa and I had our first child, we had Paige. Um, we had been married almost 11 years. And I think um, we may have been typical of young or we were not as young as some young couples. We had waited a while, but we, we were afraid. You know, they give you a baby and tell you to walk out of the hospital. And you're, you're like, what are they doing with that? I remember it's like, we just got this baby like yesterday, and you're sending us home. You must be kidding me. And it's, just, it's terrifying because it's like, I mean, I had to go through more paperwork to, to get a dog at the Humane Society than to walk home with, with our child. And didn't know what we were doing with that either, but it, it was terrifying. And I remember asking my mom one time, so what did you do with kids? How did you parent us? And she said she just winged it. And I'm like, that, that was her words. And if we're in touch with the Holy Spirit, by the way, it's a good thing. But if you're not, yeah, we're just winging it. And that's, that's what, so that's what we got. We got, my mom just winged it with us. Um, I remember there were so many books about parenting. And I'm, I'm not going to disparage books. I don't want to do that. Um, there's some really helpful stuff out there. But... Um, you have way more wisdom than you think you have. Um, the Holy Spirit instructs and guides. You have God himself dwelling within your very soul who will speak truth. And sometimes we just have to press out and trust the Holy Spirit to guide us because he's going to do that. And that is better than any book, by the way. And um, I think oftentimes um, parents, moms and dads both, are just fearful of parenting and thinking, I've got to have somebody show me what to do. And there's some truth to that. I mean, there's, we need each other, right? Um, but you have the Holy Spirit. And don't underestimate the power and the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life to guide you into things that he wants you to do. So he instructs and he guides us. He reveals, in other words, he shows God to us and he shows God through us to other people, which is our whole purpose and intent. Or that's the place of impact in life. He empowers us. The scriptures say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Christ strengthens us through the Holy Spirit. We are not powerless people when we are in touch with the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. Um, by the way, it's interesting that he would do that because when you have kids, what do you discover? You have no control. That's what you discover. I mean, that's just one, you know, it's like first marriage tells you that you're not in control, you don't know what you're doing. And then you have kids and it tells you that you're not in control, you don't know what you're doing either. I mean, you do, but... I just, that just says the opposite of what I just said. Anyways, trust the Holy Spirit because you do know what you're doing. But you feel like that, don't you? Um, you can't control another person. Um, and you discover that not when they're 15 years old. You discover that when they're like, they get home the first day. That you, have, you lack control to, to really make them do all that you want to do. Um, but that's a good thing because what does it do? It drives us to Jesus, it drives us to the Spirit, it drives us to his feet. But the great truth is that he says, when you depend on me and trust in the Holy Spirit, guess what you can do? You can do all things. You can do everything that you've been designed and created for and that I've called you to do. Um, And even when your child is like, I don't know what's going on, you are empowered to be exactly what you need to be in those moments um, and can trust God with those things. And lastly, he transforms us. He's changing us all the time. That's the whole, the whole great news of Scripture is that when we come to Christ, Holy Spirit dwells us, and guess what? He's changing us. He's transforming us to be more and more like his Son. So we have the Holy Spirit. Um, we have the Holy Spirit. How is that touched today and for moms? Particularly, I just want to draw out four, give you four things. Just, I hope this is an encouragement to you. Um, 
Our culture does not encourage moms a lot, maybe very little. I want to encourage you with four things that come out of this, this work of the Spirit in your life. Number one, all of your work is holy work. All of your work is holy work. That means, and by the way, it's not just a job. It's everything we do is holy because the Spirit does it through us. Um, so whether I am I'm instructing or have this great moment with my, your child, and you get to give this, share something, going, oh, that was so good. I shared something really good. Or whether you're sitting there cleaning up the diaper that fell on the floor before you could grab it and made a mess, and now you're cleaning up the floor at the well. Those are, that's all holy work according to God's word because it's done through the Holy Spirit which makes it holy, and God views it that way. And everything you do is holy work. And never let anybody tell you something different than that because God has infused you with his work and his spirit. Apart, um, it says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And when we depend on the Holy Spirit... Um, and we give control, it changes everything. Everything we do as individuals or even as a church um, is to be done through the agency of the Holy Spirit, and everything done through the agency of the Holy Spirit is holy. It's holy work, and, and hang on to that. Everything we've done is marked as a work of God. Second of all, you are never, ever alone. You may feel it. Um, you may be absent of people. Um, you may, you may be a mom who's at home with a little one or more than one little one all day, and you feel like you feel alone, whatever, whatever you're feeling. Um, this, because of the Holy Spirit's presence in our heart, we are never alone. Um, sometimes we think of the Holy Spirit being with us as some abstract idea. It's just out there, it's, but it's not real. Um, he's not really a real person. He's not really, really there. Um, I don't see him. I don't necessarily feel him all the time. Um, it can't be any more real than the very presence of God dwelling within us. And so somehow we have got to press in so that we can um, um, experience in greater depth the reality that God is actually with us all the time, experientially, that we can experience it. And that just takes time. Sometimes it's work. Sometimes we don't feel it. But he dwells in us, and the calling for us is to press into him until we experience it until we know it, um, until it pervades our heart and mind where you definitely know that you are not alone. Number three, you have all the wisdom of God. I just shared that before. Um, because of the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, you have God's wisdom. At, you, you have access to it um, and waiting on it, and he can instruct you. And so I would just encourage you, um, go forth with confidence. Um, and if, if your heart is right and you're pursuing the Holy Spirit and you're trying to make it, if you're off track, he's going to show you, by the way. Um, dads, moms, don't let their kids go walking down the middle of Speedway on their own when they're two years old or something. I mean, if they're going to go down that way, we're going to stop them. And um, you can trust the Holy Spirit to guide you as you walk. So I would encourage you to press forward with confidence because you actually have the very wisdom of God. And lastly here is um, the Holy Spirit is at work even when we are not. Um, so I think of my daughter who's away at college and um, we don't have access, um, not a chance to really speak into her life in the same ways anymore. Um, where, where do we find trust in that? Well, she knows the Lord, the Holy Spirit's there. Guess what? The Holy Spirit has a really good voice. And we can trust that because the Holy Spirit keeps working all the time even when we are not able to do so in our kids' lives particularly. So trust that he is always working, um, even when we can't. 
Um, there's a book by uh, uh, Francis Chan called The Forgotten God. Um, if you want to just kind of dig into the Holy Spirit a little bit more, um, it's, it's not, it doesn't go real deep into stuff. It it's, it's, uh, kind of runs across the board. But it's a great um, uh, just kind of overview of the, the, the fact that we have forgotten the work of the Holy Spirit in the church and in individual lives. And uh, so it's Francis Chan, The Forgotten God. You could read that. Um, it might help you press in to experience more of what he does in your life um, because it's a pretty incredible thing um, that he's done. So if I could have the worship team come up, um, make your way up here. Let me, uh, we're going to um, sing. Um, the communion table behind me and in the back are open. Um, Jesus ascended into heaven. Um, he left in a very real sense um, because he was sending something better. Sending something better. Um, if you know the Lord today, you can participate in communion. Um, even better news is the Holy Spirit resides within you. The Holy Spirit resides within you. And God himself in the Spirit walks in the midst of your day. Um, and you can trust him. Um, he empowers you to the work he's called you to do. He will never, when Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake you or fail you, um, he's referring to the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Um, it is there for you. So as we sing, let's give thanks for that. Um, I would encourage you to press towards that this week as you pursue him um, and experience him in your life. Lord, I thank you for um, the bread and cup here, even as we talked last week about the unity that we experience, even as we partake of communion, both within this church body and outside. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that is our connecting point to one another, that we all, um, as we know you, um, he dwells within us and it brings us together. Um, I would ask, Lord, in our midst that you would um, give us greater eyes to see and experience the wonder of God himself dwelling within us. Pray for particular our moms um, today in all ages and all seasons of life that the Holy Spirit would minister and comfort and instruct and guide and empower and encourage in ways that nobody else can. Um, we give you thanks for the work of cross that opened up the doors for us to experience the fullness of your presence in us. In Jesus' name, amen.